Hey y'all, welcome back to She's My Person. Jenna here with my co-host Ellen. We are super excited to continue the body image, body struggle, body love series that we started last week with our guest, Jen. I hope you all were able to catch that episode. She just did a really incredible job of explaining how to accept yourself and the importance of understanding that what makes us different is what makes us beautiful and that you're enough as you are in this moment. And so we're going to continue that theme. We have multiple different elements within this series. We're going to have a mom join us next week to speak a little bit about just when your body goes through massive life changes. I battled with an eating disorder for most of my adolescence and had multiple struggles within that. It ended my basketball career at an early age, really mess with my body and its function. It took a really long time for me to get my cycles back on track and for me to learn how to understand my body's cues. And so I'm going to dive deeply into that at some point in the series. But today we're really going to focus on Ellen's struggles and hers have been a little bit more on the injury side. She was an athlete all through high school and all through college. And for both of us, because we've been friends throughout our entire adolescence, we were there for each other through both the problem and through the healing. And a lot of the moments where we realized that we needed to heal, that there was something that wasn't okay, that we were kind of pushing to the bottom of our heart came about when we were together because we had that just ability to bring out the most honest part of each other. So we felt that it was important to speak about what we struggle with, but also speak about how we showed up for each other in that time. So anyway, I'm going to turn it over to Elle. She can share her story with you and we're just going to kind of bounce off of each other and open up in a different way today. Yeah, thank you. And honestly, we were just laughing before we got on here about how you know, we, we don't get to see each other a whole lot with living in two different parts of the country. And we, we end up at MedExpress a lot more than you would think for your average 20-something-year-old friends. But yeah, we've, we've definitely seen all types of different injuries and, you know, body struggles and anything that we've been going through, we've seen it together. So I think it's, it's really great that we get to kind of tell our stories and explain what what shaped us and what also has shaped us in our friendship. Because I know for me, having Jenna beside me throughout my injuries and, you know, the latest injury timeframe that I went through, I think was one of the most important parts of getting through it. And I think that, you know, having you has helped me even grow and learn from the experience more. So it's, it's exciting to be able to share this together. And just hopefully you can relate even on a self-reflection wise or injuries that you've been through. But, you know, for me, I, I started sports ever since I was young. I've been playing at least soccer or basketball or some kind of activity since I was walking. So that, that came a lot from my family and my sister was a really good soccer player. So I've always looked up to her as a youngster being younger than her. And when I got to high school, I was hoping to play their soccer or basketball in college. I always kind of saw myself hopefully getting to the next level with one of those two sports. And freshman year, I ended up tearing my ACL as a, in a basketball game. And that was, that was tough just because it was the first real injury that I had. And I think mentally it played the biggest role because I was so afraid of how I would come back from that injury. And I think it was it was also a really interesting age because I was about 15 years old. So body image was obviously something that was on my mind because I had always been an athlete. I never had to really worry about not being in shape or not being able to work out. So when you're off for such a long period of time, I, I, I did struggle with that side of it a little bit. But, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't too much on that side as much as it was just trying to get back to it and get back out doing what I love. And then once, 
you know, once I got back from that, I was, I was good for a little while. I ended up having way too many concussions, probably like five or six actually that were pretty, pretty bad, but more than that across the board. And by the time my last one happened, I had been seeing a specialist and, and he said, you know, you're, you're going to have to stop playing contact sports. And I think that was probably the biggest wake up call just because that was what I always knew. So for me, I was like, well, do I have to? Like, or can, we, can we figure out like maybe a helmet or something that I could still play something? And after I had taken some time and actually thought about things, I realized, you know, I'm, I'm not able to focus in school. I, my SAT scores were a disaster. I don't even know what the hell I scored. Like, it was, like, it was about as bad as it gets. So after, after I took a realistic look at everything, I thought, you know, it's probably best that I just hang it up and sports aren't everything. They definitely taught me a lot, but it wasn't something that I felt I needed to push myself past a limit where I wouldn't be able to remember maybe my kids' names in the future or whatever, you know, whoever I'm dealing with, I I knew long-term it didn't make sense for me to keep pushing the limit. So I didn't really think much past that point, but I, I had known I was done with the contact sports and my, I came from a small high school. So my, my track coach knew that I was done playing soccer and basketball. And she came up to me and was like, have you ever thought about cross country? <laughs> I kind of laughed. I was like, uh, uh, no, I didn't. Cause I, I mean, you run in other sports, but it was not something I was passionate about. And she was like, you should just give it a shot. You should come out for the team. I think you could do pretty well. So I was like, well, I mean, I have nothing else to do. I guess I'll do it. And I got a little more serious with track because this was my junior year. So I went into my track season and I did make it to states my junior year, I believe. Or yeah, I think it was my junior year. I can't remember. I, I went junior year. I know, I know I went senior year, but I think I went junior year also. And once cross country came around, I ended up going to states for cross country also. So I was getting some colleges that were recruiting me and I ended up reaching out to the pit coach and was like, Hey, I'm new. I just kind of started doing this, but I'd love to come and meet the team. Or if you have any openings, I'd love to walk on. And he ended up offering me to run at the university of Pittsburgh. So that's kind of how I got into track and field there. I'm rambling, but (laughs) I ended up having a crazy injury at Pitt where I was, I was a junior and I actually was diagnosed with mono, but it took about three or four months, I would say, until they finally realized that's what I was dealing with. I was running and having a lot of issues. I was having problems even basically walking to practice, let alone running at practice. And I got to the point where they, my blood count was so high that they actually thought that I had non-Hodgkin's cancer. Like my numbers were all messed up and they didn't really know what was going on. So they took me over to a specialist to see what was going on. And they had me come back for another appointment to see if anything was changing or if I needed to get some kind of treatment. But luckily it was not cancer. And I'm so thankful for that. And, you know, as time went on, I was still having these issues where I was just so, so sick. So my lymph nodes were getting really swollen and I ended up going to a chiropractor and trust that that was maybe something going with with my neck. You know, I, I had no idea what was going on. I think because I was at such a vulnerable place with everything, I just kind of was under the impression that whatever my doctor was telling me had to be true. So I was just taking a bunch of antibiotics, assuming I had any kind of sickness in the book and it just wasn't kicking. And I got to a point where the lymph nodes were causing so much neck pain that it was actually from being sick that I was having the neck pain issues. 
and the chiropractor basically did things, manipulated things that were not working for my body. And I didn't really correlate the two and ended up having stomach issues and so much swelling. It actually looked like I was pregnant for like seven months and no one knew what was happening. My face was swelling. Just, I mean, anything in the book was happening. I had kidney stones, like the craziest stuff all within these, this two-year span. And I, I was trying to run through it. I was, I mean, I was probably into ACCs and regionals my junior year. And by the end of that, I, my body just basically shut down. Jenna, I think that's when you came to visit, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's like, it's crazy to hear all this from like the beginning, because I feel like we, I don't know, for most of college, because we didn't get to spend a lot of time together. I feel like our friendship was kind of always like fight or flight mode. Like we just did what the other one needed, like as best as we could from a distance. And so it's like crazy to hear it all together. And I feel like we're so different because I'm incredibly like sensitive to pain and Ellen's pain threshold is like nothing I've ever witnessed in my life. And so she would just like push herself so hard that I didn't even really know how bad it was truly. I mean, I knew when we would talk, she would tell me like she was still dealing with swelling or, you know, still feeling this way, but she was still running. And because we like, you know, we've never been together on a daily basis until that time, I never really knew how hard she was capable of pushing herself because it wasn't ever something like I had seen. I mean, obviously she's always been a natural athlete and I mean, she, her resilience and like bouncing back from stuff has always been something that like I've looked up to in our friendship. But I feel like that was the first time that I realized like, you know, she had, she had taken it too far with her own body. Like she wasn't recognizing that it was being harmful. And, you know, I got at that same place, which we'll speak to on another episode. And sometimes you need like that person to be like that honest place where you realize it. But, you know, with her, I had gone to visit her and we like, I picked her up, we were like super excited to see each other. I didn't even like really look at her when I first saw her because we hugged for like 10 minutes when we, <laughs> we go six months without seeing each other. But we like sat down at breakfast and her face was swollen. And I could just like tell in her like coloring of her face and just even in like her energy that something was like not okay. And I was like, we are not I'm not leaving here until we go to Big Express or like we figure out something that's like going on because, you know, like you're, you're just absolutely not okay. And like, I, I went into like full on, I feel like protection mode at that point. And I don't know how that made you feel out. Like, I mean, I know how I felt when it was reversed, but I don't know how you necessarily felt in that moment. Like if it felt like you had been just kind of like pushing past your limitations because you felt like that was what you had to do. Like, I don't know how you felt in that moment when I said that. I don't think we ever have really talked about that, honestly. No. And, and it actually, it, it lifted so much weight off my shoulders. I feel like, you know, for the longest time, I was just trying to push through any pain that I had. And you're one of the only people when it comes down to it that can really see like, she's not okay. And I think with my family, it was tough because I, I, I never want them to worry or them to stress out. So I think I always kind of put on a front like, oh, I'm fine. They're figuring out what's going on. But with you, you can see through it. And that's not to say that my family couldn't see that I was still sick. But I just think, you know, I didn't really put up that front so much with you. I kind of just let you take it and go with it once you said, you know, you're not okay. And I think because we hadn't seen each other in so long, it's easier when you're away from someone and then you see them for the first time to pick up like, Something is not okay here. So you being able to see that and kind of let me feel like it was okay to not be really woke me up because I think if if I wouldn't have if I wouldn't have heard that from you, I think I would have kept competing and kept trying because you basically said no. You need to tell your coach you're done. Like you're taking a season off or whatever that looks like. Where I was still under the impression until I physically cannot compete anymore, then I'll just keep pushing through the pain. So. 
I think the biggest thing for me was just that relief of knowing, you know, I don't have to keep doing this. There's no one that is forcing me to. It's more so myself putting me through it. So, well, yeah, I think it was such like a good, it was a growth moment in our friendship when it happened on both ends for sure. But I think it's also just like a really great point that when you're in something, like it feels like that has to be your life. Like it's the biggest thing ever. And you know, for you, because like you loved your teammates and you loved your coach and you were committed to the work and like, you know, you have a loyalty and commitment level that very few people have. And so it's like, if you're capable of showing up for people, if you're capable of like entering the situation from a selfless standpoint, you're always going to take that option. And so it was such a growth point. Like it was probably the most direct and authoritative I've ever been in our entire friendship, like up to this point. But I was like, you know, I think she genuinely needed me to just be like, this has to happen. Because sometimes it's like when you're, when you're feeling like you're telling yourself one story, and I know, because I've been there, it's like, you feel like you just have to keep doing what you're doing, because that's the only way. And so it's interesting that you say the relief, because I think my my feeling was similar. But like, you know, showing up for you, I was just like, you know, there is going to be life like after college track, but like, we have to make sure that like your health and all of that comes first. And it was just like a matter of you putting yourself first, which I know was like, you know, really hard for both of us, but especially you, because you're, you're just incredibly selfless. And so I think that was like the hardest part, at least from my understanding, watching you go through it was feeling like you were going to let somebody down and you admitted that you weren't okay. Yep. That's exactly what it was. And honestly, I mean, I'm sure you probably picked up on it quick, but I didn't even feel like myself in general at that point, because I was so, I was just going through the motions and I was so so drained and you know going back to kind of body image and feeling like you're in your own feeling okay in your own skin I really didn't feel like I was in my own skin I had trainers and my coach and everyone that was aware of what was going on they were asking me well what have you been eating are you sure not putting on weight and that was just it was really tough because I felt like that was the first time that I even started really looking from that body image standpoint of well, maybe I need to stop eating this, or maybe I, I should only have three meals a day. And we, I mean, we ran so many miles that it was, that was probably not helping my body either. Cause I wasn't healing with food. I was more trying to almost starve myself to see if the swelling would get better. And I would lose that stomach, like everything going on with my stomach. And obviously it was the injury and everything that happened from the chiropractor was causing the swelling. Cause there were muscle tears. I mean, I had hip surgery on both sides after the whole thing. And I actually just started running this year. And this was in 2016. Yeah, yeah 2016 that this all started. So I just started running in the summer of 2020. So, And that's not out of not wanting to run. It was just, I finally got the wake up call that I needed to take as long as my body needed to heal. And at that point, that's when I finally got back to feeling like myself body wise. I mean, Mentally, I was able to get to a point of this is obviously from something else and, you know, like I can get through this and I I definitely grew a lot throughout the experience and I actually wouldn't take any of it back even with all the pain and sick feeling that I had. I think it taught me a lot and it, it basically got me to a point of nothing is that serious and I also learned that I need to communicate a lot better too. I think there were a lot of things I learned from that whole situation. Well, but that's a hard time for, I mean, it's a, that's just a really critical, like developmental point in our lives anyway. You know, like, I think it's hard to even understand what we're learning about ourselves because we don't even really fully know who we are at that point, you know? 
But like watching you have the body struggles because it's actually been like our friendship has always been such a healthy place for me when it comes to like body image and acceptance and all of that stuff. I mean, I don't even think we've ever had a conversation around like weight in a way that like would be in any way critical of either person. And so it's been really hard for, I'm sure for you to watch me struggle with that. And it was hard for me to see you go through that because that was new to me. Like you had never struggled with that before. And I could tell from um, just because, I mean, you know, we've known each other for so long that like I knew it wasn't weight gain. Like it was very evident to me that like your body literally looked like somebody blew you up like a balloon. Like it was like swelling. And it was like, you know, it was evident that there was like something going on internally that was causing it to externally look this way that had nothing to do with like your diet or with your eating. But I think sometimes as an athlete, like, you know, you just go into survival mode. It's like, okay, well, if this will fix it. And if it's a quick fix, it isn't going to cause you to have to like step out or not show up for your team. Then like, that's obviously the one that you lean towards because it feels like the best option, you know, because again, you're thinking at it from like a bias standpoint. And so I feel like, you know, it was your injuries got just progressively worse because it was really hard for you to like actually stop and listen to your body because you weren't really granted that space either, you know? Yeah. And that's that's the thing. I mean, if I would have just shut it down whenever everything started and I I think back to it sometimes, I'm like, if I would have just chilled for like a month, I would have been able, because I ended up hanging up my college career after that. I mean, I never got to run after my junior year of cross country. Well, actually that's a lie. I did run in a outdoor track meet, I think junior year, one or two, and it was not, it was not a good idea, but I tried because I was trying to get back. But yeah, I mean, it basically did end my career. So if you, I would have thought through in the beginning and just listened to my body and stopped there, things probably would have looked different. But like I said, I don't necessarily regret anything because I wouldn't have learned or gone through what I did at that point. So you know, I, I know it's cliche and I think we said this in our last episode, but everything does happen for a reason. And I'm, I'm completely happy with where everything's taken me up to this point. So yeah, I mean, like you said, it's definitely one of those things where you, you get to, you get to that level. And I think it's such a, I don't know, I think college is such a weird time that you're still trying to kind of figure yourself out anyway. So I think that also was part of it. I wasn't really fully sure of if I was confident enough to say, or if I should just, you know, fly under the radar and see what happens. So I think the communication side, like I said, was really one of the biggest things to take away from it is just feeling confident in yourself and knowing what is okay and what's too far. I think being able to speak to that and tell someone that you trust, like, hey, I, I, I need you to listen to me. Like, this is what's happening is a really good lesson that I learned from it. Well, definitely. And I think like just from the friendship standpoint too, because I think like knowing how to show up for people when things are less than perfect can be challenging. And it's definitely something that I feel like we've grown exponentially and in the last, you know, 12, 13 years of friendship. But there there comes a time where like the unconditional support actually means that like you advocate for that other person with the volume all the way up. Because like we're not you know, it's the same way that a relationship is never 50-50, like neither is a friendship. Like there's going to be time where like that person needs you to give them a hundred because they don't have anything to give. And like, we've done that for each other so many times, you know, where the other person picks up the slack. But like, you know, I think sometimes we associate unconditional support with being like, I'll just stand by you no matter what choice you make and, you know, be supportive of that because I love you. But there are times when that support needs to be you advocating and like standing up for something that maybe they can't see yet because their well-being is more important to you than maybe like what they want to hear in that moment. 
and like that level of honesty, I feel like came about for us a lot when we were, you know, when I was dealing with my eating disorder and Elle was going through her injuries that we actually came out with, like, we came out of that with a deeper respect and like trust in each other. I mean, I, I would say, I don't know if you would agree with that, Elle, but I feel like it was like, you know, I had so much respect and trust for her when she showed up and advocated them. was like, listen, you're not okay. And like, you know, I'm going to be here for you while you heal. But like, I can't sit by and watch you hurt yourself. And it was the same for me when she was going through this. And so I just feel like that's an important point to make that if somebody in your life, whether it's a toxic relationship, or it's something they're going through with their body, I just think it's important to realize that sometimes that unconditional support, that unconditional love is actually you advocating for them when they're having trouble advocating for themselves. Yeah. And honestly, I actually was just going to say, I I know we've always talked about it and said these were points that we helped each other, but I don't think I've ever said thank you for it because really, I, I don't know what I would have done if I wouldn't have talked to you at that point. And it is, it's a scary thing when you're the friend on the other side and you kind of see the changes and you see what's happening. And it's, it's tough because you don't, you don't want to make, you don't want to make a big deal of it. Like, I think, I don't know if you felt this way, but I feel like because I was just trying to make it normal and I wasn't really talking about it too much, you, you probably didn't want to blow it up and be like, you're not okay. But at the same time, it is really important to have that conversation and be able to say like, Hey, I'm worried about you. I don't think that this is the best decision and explain why. And you're, obviously looking out for their best interests. Like I never felt like you were coming to me with this because you were like, oh good, she's done running. Like I'll have more time with her. <laughs> you know, it was never out of a selfish reason. It was always in my best interest and out of concern for, you know, the state that I was in. So when you said it, it was, it was more of a wake up call and like a gratitude. I had gratitude for you feeling that way and seeing it, I think, more than anything else that could have come out of the conversation. Or, well, and I think a lot of times that thank you does come later because like I know when you showed up for me and my eating disorder, like I didn't want to hear it at that time, you know, like when we're in the middle of our own thought process. And I feel like, you know, that's how, and that's the reason we've created this podcast and we show up for y'all in here is because like the way that you get below that surface level connection where you feel like you can literally let every wall down and show up in exactly what you're feeling to the fullest extent is by having these conversations. It's by advocating for each other. And it's understanding that, like, it's not always going to feel good. Like, would we have rather that day whenever I saw Ellen and knew she wasn't okay, like gone out that night and like had a good time and like, yeah, absolutely. Like, do we want to spend half the day in Med Express? No, but it was like, that's what was needed. And that's like the important part of developing friendships in your world that are going to be a safe place for you always is knowing that it's not always like what's the most fun or the most popular. It's saying like, if you need to be a Med Express for six hours, then I'm right here with you because like that's loyalty, that's advocating for someone. And I feel like, you know, it takes moments like that to reach the level of connection that we've gotten to. And I have nothing but gratitude for it either. Like, I feel like it's every little thing that we've gone through or shown up for each other for, I would not have wanted you to sugarcoat anything for me. You know, it's like, I would much rather us be able to say like, because I feel like, you know, and I'm, I'm, I think it's the same for you when you say that, like, when you said it to me, like, you're not okay. I'm like, Oh my God, no, I'm not. You know? And it was like, but it took, it like took you saying that, you know, I'm like, oh shit, like she's right. Like I'm really not okay, you know? And but I don't think I ever would have gotten to that realization if you hadn't opened the safe space for me to like let that wall down, you know? Right. Well, it's hard. It's hard to walk up to someone and be like, I'm not okay. Like it's like an awkward thing to say. <laughs> yes, <yeah. laughs> like, and I think both of us are very positive people. Like we're not going to sit there and be like, hum ho, I feel this way. I, you know, normally the, 
the direction both of us take in that kind of situation is, oh, like, we'll be fine. We can push through. Let's have a good time. So when you were able to pick up on it that quick, it really was, it was, like I said, it was a relief. Like, I was just like, she, she knows. (laughs) It was like, oh, I can actually not be okay. Also, I'm dying at hum ho, because I don't think I've ever heard you say that, like, (laughs) the entirety of our friendship. So that's great. (laughs) We have a new word. Kidding. (laughs) I, I don't know. I mean, when I hear someone complain, like, that's kind of what goes through my head. I'm like, huh, oh, oh. <laughs> here we go. Not that I don't complain. I mean, that I, I definitely complain. Well, no, I, yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. But no, I mean, I think our purpose behind, you know, sharing your journey and like, I'm going to eventually share mine is just like understanding that, you know, advocating for each other is really important. And you're going to have friends in your life that if you advocate for them, that they're not going to feel that your advice is valid and they're going to go a different direction. But I'm just a strong believer that the relationships you want to last forever and you want that growth to be continual, it has to be showing up for them in every season, not just when it's like easy and fun and lighthearted. But do you have anything else you feel like you want to share, Elle, on just your story and your heart on this whole thing? I mean, I guess, I guess all I can say, and I know I keep preaching this, but just try to communicate and look out for yourself. Obviously, it's, it's great to be selfless and it's great to try to put everyone else first before you, know, you, you kind of check their box before your own sometimes. But when you, when you start to feel that you're no longer yourself and you're, you're putting everything in and everyone else and you're losing who you are, I think that's I think that's what I learned the most is I, I wasn't, I didn't even, I couldn't even tell you who I was because I was just trying to be there for my team and do what I was supposed to do. I just did quotes because it's not what I was supposed to do. So yeah, I, I think that's really the biggest takeaway is just, just recognize when you're losing who you are and be able to communicate that that's, that's what you need. Whatever you need, make sure you're, you're putting yourself first. Well, yeah, because I mean, honestly, it's not a selfish decision to do that because you're unable to show up, whether it's like for a sport or for a friend or for a lover, like you're not able to be anything for them if you're not everything to yourself first. And so, you know, and sometimes it takes a wake up call from somebody else to get to that point. We weren't meant to do this, to do this alone. And I'm just going to end this episode. I actually meant to start this episode with this, but we just have been feeling a lot about everything that's going on in the world. So I wanted to share a quick post that I read. It's actually from Carlos Whitaker. He's a writer, but he shared just this powerful description yesterday that like released everything from the political side of things. And he received a text from a close friend that just said, I see now. And the caption was three words from a super close friend who lives on the opposite side of the aisle as I do. Three words that finally broke me and I wept a white, conservative, middle-aged Trump voting man whom I love dearly. We have had many deep talks the last four years, me explaining the depths of my concern, him listening and explaining his. Never a conversation about policy, always a conversation about a president. The goal wasn't to turn him from his conservative roots. The goal wasn't to make him lean left. It was simply to be seen. And I felt seen, but today... After an exhausting 24 hours, I see a notification from this dear friend who I would catch a bullet for, and it simply said, I see now. That doesn't mean he's turning his back on his values. It simply means he's facing me and protecting mine. This is why I won't stop sharing. This is why I won't quit. This is why I won't let up, because this is who we are as Americans, and this is how we heal. 
And it just really struck my heart because we are making this about politics and about division and even the conversation that Ellen and I had today, like that advocating for each other, that showing up in the moments that are uncomfortable, that are painful, that's when it's needed the most. And so um, I just wanted to end this episode just encouraging you to show up for the people in your world, see them for who they are, love them for who they are, forget about the labels that everybody wants to place on each other. And just know that we were, you know, we truly were never meant to do this alone. And we're much stronger together when we can lead from that place of love. So I love that. Yeah. So I hope you all had a good week and we will be back next week with Erin Ehrenberg of Total Women. She's going to speak to just like body transition when you go through motherhood and all of that stuff. We're excited about that episode and we would love for y'all to let us know what you think. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you. Bye.